Welcome to the Tutor Podcast, the only weekly show for anyone who is in the business of helping people. If you're a tutor, a teacher, or a coach, the Tutor Podcast will help you start, grow, and love your tutoring business in plain English without the buzzwords and BS. If you want to make more money and make more of a difference, the Tutor Podcast will be with you every step of the way. Hi, it's Neil here with episode 46 of the Tutor Podcast. Everything you need to know about how to start, grow, and love your tutoring business. And today, we're going to be a little bit salesy. Some of you will find this a massive turn-off. Some of you will enjoy the process and enjoy the results that it will give you. Now, I know because I'm a music teacher, and although my peers are music teachers, that we have an idea that sales is somehow a bad thing. But as business people, we've got to recognize the reality and see sales in their correct light. So today I'm going to be talking particularly about handling the initial tuition inquiry call. This is all taken from my own standard operating procedure, which I've written as I've evolved my own process, so that at some point, if I farm this out to a virtual assistant or a member of a team, then they will know exactly what I do. I'm going to walk you through the SOP, the standard operating procedure, from start to bottom. And this will be available to you. Just get in touch with info at neilcamado.com and I will mail you my SOP in a Word format that you can edit yourself and have the same kind of effects that this is telling me. It's actually been very productive for me to go from making everything up on the spot to having a default where I know to a T what should happen in the call. So here we go. This is handling the initial tuition inquiry call. This is an inbound call coming to me. Right at the very top of the SOP before the process starts, I have an aim for any incoming sales inquiry, and that's to book and confirm the first lesson at the full current rate for my tuition services. So I want you to start to close small and often. Now closing, if you're not familiar with it, is almost a shutting down question, a, a refining question that moves them closer and closer to the point where they'll say yes and make a booking. Which is, of course, the primary aim of the call. So wherever possible, the first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to put the headset on. I have a cordless phone, a decked headset, hooks over my ear and a little boom microphone so I've got both hands free now I don't know about you I'm a musician I talk with my hands I'm doing it now this is being recorded on a headset mic at the moment and my hands are flapping around all over the place so put your headset on second point is answer the phone with a smile people can hear a smile on the phone so I'll just give you an example this is the non-smiley just change state. Hello, this is Neil. And here's the smiley version. Hi, this is Neil. You hear the energy change there? Which one of those people would you prefer to deal with? It's as simple as that. So the very first thing you want to do is answer with a smile, give them your name, and ask how you can help them. So let's try that again. Hi, this is Neil. How can I help you today? 
And this is the one with a smile. Hi, this is Neil. How can I help you today? Which one of those voices would you prefer to deal with? Okay, so first things first then. This point number four really for me is I'm going to start taking notes. This is why I want my hands free. I'm going to take a quick note of their name, their phone number, their email address. Find out who the lessons are for. And if I'm going to be sending out gift vouchers or a product, I want to know the address it's going to be sent to. So how do you get this information? Simple. Ask. Oh, who am I speaking to today? Okay. If the phone number comes up on the screen, you say, I'm just checking that the phone number that's on the screen is the correct number. Read it off the screen of the phone, which you can do because it's hands-free. Remember, you've got it on a headset. And ask them for their email address. Then say, okay, so... Are you phoning for yourself or for someone else for the lessons? Is this going to be a gift? If they're doing vouchers, they'll usually tell you anyway. So I'm aiming to capture specific communication information. In addition to that, this is point five on my SOP, I'm going to be looking for background on the student, the person who's going to be actually taking the lessons. I always ask if there's anything special about them. A couple of times in the past, I haven't asked this, and I've ended up with kids that would have been identified as special educational needs cases, which is not actually a problem. They're kind of challenging. That's where the growth comes from. As a teacher, is I have to deal with non-typical students. Is there anything special about them? Well, of course there is. So you can ask, what's particularly special about this person? I'll usually ask if there are any issues with them using steps, because they have to come down steps here. I'm looking for disability problems where access in and out of the building could be a problem to them. Additionally, I'll ask them if the student has any experience, in my case playing guitar or music theory. I'll ask their age, their sex and what they're aiming to get out of it. So what is it about learning the guitar that interests you and intrigues you? What is it about improving your skills that's got you to the phone to speak to me today and finding out what their interests are within the field that I'm operating in what they're looking for and of course I'm going to use their name at every step this is really important this is the one thing that really and truly you should take away from this apart from having a procedure it's use their own words back to them if someone tells you I've been playing for years, but I really don't understand what it is I'm doing. You could say something back like this. So, I've heard this so many times. You've been playing for years and you don't understand what it is you've been doing. That's not a problem. Now you can work with that. The most persuasive thing a person can hear out of your mouth are really the words that have just come out of their own. They don't try to paraphrase it. Just echo it straight back to them. Fabulously powerful technique. Now, when you're talking to people, I want you to focus on what they want, their values, why they're getting in touch, the reasons for seeking you out as an expert in the field. Clarify it. Again, echo it back. If someone doesn't understand what they've been doing, they're feeling lost. You just say, so, you just want to stop feeling lost. You need to understand what it is you've been doing to feel comfortable with that. Am I right with that? 
And they'll say, yes, this is a small close. It gives them the chance to say yes. So I'll ask a lot of questions to which they're more or less compelled to say the word yes. The more of these I can lay up in a sequence, the better they will feel much more positive about the experience. They're called yes set questions. Coupled to this, I'll often ask binary questions. Questions where they'll have to choose one thing or another. It's close to being a double bind. You have almost no choice. Now, did you want to book that in the afternoon or in the evening? We give them a choice of two days. Now, is the Thursday better for you or the Friday? So that they're more or less compelled to say one or the other. So by process of closing down from two to one to the next thing, we can get to the point where we have an agreement and a mutually approved time. You're not trying to manipulate everyone. What you're trying to do is remove the agony of choice. Give people too many options, it will shut them down because they're just snowed under with possibilities. And that's happened often in the past to me before I started to develop the standard operating procedure for the, for the inquiry call. I always assume that they're going to buy from me because, frankly, they'd be stupid to go anywhere else. As a teacher, as a salesperson, if you like, in this case, I understand that I am the best in my field at what I do. And it would be immoral of me to allow them to go and learn or train under anyone else because they'll be paying for something that is, by definition, substandard. It's not as good as me. I am the best. I will convey that. And obviously, because I'm the best, I'll be priced accordingly. If price ever does show up as an objection during the call, I'll always say, let me ask you a question. In life, do you get what you pay for? And then I'll just shut up. See the power of silence? You fill that in for me, don't you? So, that's kind of the process. Then we'll move on to specifics. I'll have found out when's the best time, what's the best day, who it's for. I have all the information I need. Then I'll simply ask them if they'd like to pay by card or bank transfer. I'll ensure that I've got the bank detail and the card machine to hand for whichever case they want to pursue. And then I'll simply ask, what's the big number on the card, please? They'll give me the number, I punch it all through, and then I'll confirm verbally that the payment has gone through. Immediately the call is over, I will then send them a confirmation text containing the, the confirmation of the payment, the date and time of the lesson, the address and postcode of my teaching location, along with a Google, a, a Google, a Google Map link, so they can find it, and specific instructions what to do on arrival. So because of the way everything's set out here, I'll instruct them to go down the steps on their left into the sunken terrace and ring the doorbell to the left of the single door. I'll also include a link to my own website, which is www.neilcamado.com. So whilst I'm on the call, I'll update the teaching schedule with the appointment I've just made. Then I will send a confirmation email essentially containing the same points 
as I sent in the text, which is confirmation of payment, date and time of lesson, address and postcode teaching location, Google Map link, instructions on arrival, and a link to my own website. Now it's time for me to add the email address to the CRM program, Customer Relationship Manager, software, or my mail client so that I can email them. Next thing after that then, I will use either my paper diary, still old school in this respect, I like my file of facts. It never crashes, it never loses data, it's just a, a lump of paper. I'll put in my diary 24 hours prior to send them a reminder message before that first session. I'll also send them a reminder two hours before the lesson starts because I don't want anything to get in the way. And all the time, this confirmation, this immediate action is positioning me as an expert and a professional. Very, very rarely do people not show up for lessons. It's been remarkable for me the conversion change that's gone on just by having a set procedure for handling a sales inquiry call. So hit me up. It's info at neilcamido.com and I'll make the Word document available to you. You'll be able to edit it and use it for yourself, even if it's just a framework to build your own SOPs off. Trust me on this. Having a set procedure is so much better, so much better than making everything up on the spot because it's stressful. So my SOP is laminated, it's pinned up next to the computer at home. The moment a call comes in, headset on, and I'm ready to go. This has been helpful to you, let me know. Do contact me and I will send you a doc. Help yourself. I'm here to help you guys. If you've got any better suggestions than this, by the way, let me know. Because I'm here to learn from you guys too. There's enough information here that we can share. We can all do very well for ourselves by helping one another. So next week, episode 47, I'm going to be looking at scheduling. How I do it, how other people do it and best practice. This links across to keeping records for your students too, in my case, and ongoing performance. So on a week-to-week -week basis, I'll be able to accurately estimate income, absence rates, and so on. It just gives me an ongoing live metric of what's going on in the business. So I look forward to meeting you next time, episode 47, where we'll be covering everything else you need to know about how to start, grow, and love your tutoring business the way I love mine. Have a fabulous day. I'll see you next time on the Tutor Podcast. Get in touch with the Tutor Podcast via email or social media, and the Tutor Podcast team will be listening. Subscribe on iTunes and you'll automatically get the latest episode directly sent to your device. And remember to share, rate and review TTP so that we can help other people to start, grow and love their tutoring businesses.